0: Get up now and talk about God's face and how is she going to connect it to minions? (laughs) Well, surprisingly I actually will, so just wait and see. Kids, make sure your listening ears are on. Adults, make sure your listening ears are on because we've got some good stuff for you today. I'm not going to talk for a long time, but I've got lots to talk about. I wonder, if we are not going to be following God like minions... How are we going to follow God? And is God worth following? How do we even know what he is like? Recently I had a friend on Facebook who made the comment, if God is so good, why is there so much suffering in the world? And you know, it's a fair question. But I think sometimes our view of God is shaped by our experience and sometimes we're actually not too sure about who he is. I wonder if some of you might see God as a hard taskmaster. You know, every time you do something wrong, He tells you off. Or every time that you even think a bad thought, God is putting a cross next to your name. I wonder if some of you feel that way. What if? What if God isn't like that? What if? God is the best boss ever. (laughs) How cool is that picture? What if God is so worth following because he is such a good, good boss? Would that make you think twice? You know, the Bible says that God is good, but how good is he? What kind of good is he? Have a look at this picture for a moment while you listen to these words from Psalm 103. It's from a bit of a different translation to what you're used to. But have a listen to how the Bible pictures God. Yahweh, you are my soul's celebration. How could I ever forget the miracles of kindness that you have done for me? You've kissed my heart with forgiveness in spite of everything that I have done. You've healed me inside and out from every disease. You've rescued me. You've saved my life. You've crowned me with love and with mercy. You satisfy my desire of all sorts of good things. You've supercharged my life so that I can soar again like a flying eagle in the sky. You're a God who makes things right, giving justice to the defenceless. God, you're so kind and tender-hearted. To those who don't deserve it and you're so patient with people who fail you your love is like a flooding river and it's overflowing its banks with kindness you don't look at us only to find our faults you don't hold a grudge against us in fact further than a sunrise from a sunset is how far you've removed all our guilt from us The same way a loving father feels towards his children is only but a little sample of God's tender feelings toward us, your beloved children who are in awe of you. I wonder whether we could just take it a little step further and say if the minions are following a boss and if we're going to choose to follow God as a good boss, could we take it a step further and actually say that we could follow God like a father? Some of you might say, well hang on a minute, I don't know whether I'm comfortable with the idea of following God like a father, because the father that I grew up with wasn't kind of like the description you just read. But let me tell you, our heavenly father is a very different kind of father than any father you could ever experience here on earth. He will far exceed all of your expectations. He's a promise keeper. You may have noticed when you came in this morning along the walls there, we've got all these little bits of coloured paper. They are God's promises to you. There's 250 of them here today on those walls and there was a website where I got them from that had 365, one for every day of the year and guess what? Every year they're new promises. They don't rehash the old promises. There's more than 365 promises in God's word about how good he is and what kind of a father he is I find that amazing. Another thing that I find amazing is that God actually chose to put us in second place to himself. Psalm 8 says it this way. What honour you have given to people, created only a little bit lower than God. Now the Hebrew word for God in this context is Elohim, which means creator God. So when God created the heavens and the earth, he set up everything in place so that it was ready for humans to step in so that God could come in and be with them together. That was always his intention, that God would be there and that we would be under him. Second place, is that just too hard to believe? He's crowned us like kings and queens with glory and magnificence. Recently I went to a fabulous restaurant called The Firehouse over in Ringwood. Is there anybody who's been there? Firehouse Restaurant Cafe. I think Georgia, I don't know if she's still working here, Georgia Reed works there. Um, it's, an amazing, it's an amazing restaurant and I was there for breakfast with a friend and we were discussing the idea of God being good. I felt like God was calling me to give up my teaching career to take on something else that he had in store. And I said to my friend, I don't know if God's going to come through for me. What if he doesn't? And then all of a sudden I look over to my right and there's this, it's called a light box. I don't know if you know what they are. They've got these little letters and they slide into the panels and you can create all different kinds of sayings. And I I looked over and it said on it, you get what you settle for. And I felt in that moment that God was speaking to me about how am I settling in my mind and in my spirit about how I am understanding God to be. Because if I settle for a God that is not going to provide for me or that is not going to love me like a father, then that's going to work itself out in the way that I relate to him and to others. But if I settle for a God that I know is going to provide for me, that's going to turn out a whole lot differently. So I wonder... What are you settling for? What kind of God are you settling for? Are you settling for God like a boss and following him like a minion? Or are you settling for a God who is a heavenly father unlike any other father you've ever experienced or will ever experience? You see, we could approach God as a minion Or we could actually approach him as a child. For some of us, this is this is brand new news, but for some of you you may have seen this scripture here before. Let me read it to you. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. See, you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's own spirit when he adopted you as his children and now we call him Abba, which means father or daddy, actually. For his spirit joins in with our spirit to affirm that we are, in fact, God's children. And since we are God's children, we are his heirs. Now, kids, that doesn't mean hairs on our head. It means heirs. It means we get to inherit the things that God the Father gives us. We get to have what he has. And in fact, together with Christ, we are good, we are heirs of God's incredible glory, his riches, everything that God the Father has, he actually gives to us when we choose to become his children. For people in this room who have been Jesus followers for a little while, this may be very familiar to you. But I want to challenge you. You might have been a child of God for a long time already, but do you act like one? Do you think like one? For those of us who may be wrestling with the concept or the idea of God, this could be the sweetest news that you've ever heard because you may well be struggling with fear or other things that you don't want to name. You see, we can believe it in our heads or well, we can know it and we can act it out. You see, Scripture says that we are made three in one. We are bodies. We are souls, which is our mind, our will and our emotions. And we are spiritual beings, three in one. And when it says that we are led by the Spirit of God, it means God's Spirit joins in with our spirit. It's a spiritual thing that's going on here. It's not a matter of what we think. It's actually a matter of, what we do in regards to our spiritual sense. You see, you could be a slave or a minion to God or you could choose to be a child of God that is adored. You know, when Stu was sitting up earlier here with Maddie, I was watching the two of them and this little interaction that was going on and Maddie was so comfortable in her father's presence and Stu was so incredibly proud of her. That is what it looks like to be a child of God. I wonder, when you think about your inheritance, do you think that being a child of God just means you get to go to heaven when you die? Because I have amazing news for you today. You actually get your inheritance fast-tracked and you get it right here today. You might be saying, what is that inheritance? Well, it's things like peace and joy and love and mercy, compassion, a good place with God. That's your inheritance. The kingdom of God is all things new. Is this so hard to believe? I mean, you might have a look at this painting over here. I know you guys on this end can't see it, but maybe maybe at the end of today's gathering you could have a look. There's a picture of a father with a baby and the adoration in his eyes towards this child is what grips me. Could you dare to believe that you have a heavenly father that loves you that way? Because he does. I'm going to play a little video for you. It goes through about three or four minutes. It's from the movie Despicable Me 1. Unfortunately, there are no minions at all in this video clip. But I want you to take a look at these three girls, Margot, Edith and Agnes, they want to be adopted by Gru. Now, Gru's not too sure yet, but in the video, you will see that these three girls, they already think they're adopted. And I want you to pay really close attention to the very last scene in the video clip.
1: Come on now, it's
0: bedtime. Did you brush your teeth? Let me smell. Let me smell. You did not.
1: <laughs> Put on your PG. <laughs> okay, seriously, seriously, this is, this is Betty Bob. Time, right now. i not kidding around. I mean it. But we're not tired. Well, I am tired. Will you read us a bedtime story? No. Pretty please. The physical appearance of the please makes no difference. It is still no, so go to sleep. But we can't. And without a bedtime story, we'll just keep getting up and bugging you. All night long. Oh, fine. All right. right. Sleepy kittens. Sleepy kittens. What are these? Puppets. You use them when you tell the story. Okay, let's get this over with. Three little kittens loved to play. They had fun in the sun all day. Then their mother came out and said, time for kittens to go to bed. Wow, this is garbage. Do you actually like this? Keep reading. (sighs) Come on. All right, all right, all right, all right. Three little kittens started to bawl. Mommy were not tired at all. Their mother smiled and said with a purr, fine, but at least you should brush your fur. Now you brush the fur. This is literature? A two-year-old could have written this. All right. Three little kittens with fur all brushed said, we can't sleep, we feel too rushed. Their mother replied with a voice like silk, fine, but at least you should drink your milk. Now make them drink the milk. (laughs) Oh, I don't like this book. This is going on forever. Three little kittens, with milk all gone, rubbed their eyes, and started to yawn. We can't sleep. We can't even try. Then their mother sang a lullaby. Good night, kittens. Close your eyes. Sleep in peace until you rise. Though while you sleep, we are apart. Your mommy... Loves you with all her heart. The end, okay. Good night. Wait. What? What about good night kisses? No, no, no. There will be no kissing or hugging or kissing. He's not going to kiss us goodnight, Agnes. I like him. He's nice, but scary.
0: Like Santa It's great isn't it Did you see where the girls do their picture Right at the bottom of the family tree See, Grew hadn't even legally adopted them yet, but that's how they saw themselves. I wonder, could you see yourself in God's family tree? You see, I know something a little bit about adoption. I was never adopted personally, but I did adopt someone or something. Oh, look, it's Rufus. How did he make his way into my talk? <laughs> Last year my niece gave me a little present for Christmas and it was a scrapbook, which I'm going to show you, of young Rufus here. Now the reason why I'm picking up on this scrapbook is because when we adopted Rufus from another family four years ago and he came into our home, he became part of us. He even sometimes goes on holidays with us. You see, Rufus has got his very own scrapbook. He's got his very own photo album because he belongs to us. Did you know that in God's word, in scripture, in the Bible, it actually says that God has a book about your life, everybody's life. There is a book written about you with all your plans and all your purposes and everything that God has designed for you is in your very own scrapbook. Sean has one. God's got a book on Sharn and all the wonderful things that she is and Juliet and Keith and Susan and Rodney and Abby. Is that too hard to believe that God the Father might just have a very own scrapbook with you in it? You see, we were never meant to be slaves or minions or orphans. We were meant to be children. Some of you might say to me, Cindy, I don't know, I don't feel like I'm even worthy of being adopted by God. If you only knew some of the things that these hands or this heart has done, God wouldn't want me. Or you might say, Cindy, I've worked so hard to please God over the years and I just don't feel like I connect with him. Well, I have good news for both sides of the story. Did you know that nothing that you have ever done Whatever could do will ever change the way that he loves you. A scrapbook is a scrapbook. Whatever it is that you have done, it's not too big that God will say, you can't be my kid anymore. Because the father loves just because he loves. You see, I have two boys, two children, and believe it or not, they are not perfect. And sometimes if they do something wrong, yes, I might punish them. I might take away their technology for a time. But it doesn't change the fact that I love them simply because they're mine. They're my kids. And so I'm going to love them no matter what they do or no matter how hard they try and please me. It's not going to cut it because the fact of the matter is that I love them just because they're mine. I wonder, could that change your perspective on God? And how are we going to apply this to our lives? How are we going to take this information about this heavenly father and that he loves us just because and work it in to how we act or what we do? I wonder if you're thinking to yourself, how will this be different, Cindy? All this stuff that you're telling me, how will it be different? Let me tell you. If you think like a slave or a minion and you try and please God as a boss, it's going to look different as to whether or not you see yourself as a child. Let me read you a couple of things. A slave or an orphan will see their master, their God as a master, whereas a child will see God as a father. Slaves and orphans say, I can do it, I'll do it myself. A child of God says, God, you do it, I can't do it. You see, slaves and orphans are bound by duties and rules and they have to work hard to earn their father's love. Whereas children of God, we work from the Father's love and we're free to love others. I hope this is making sense to you. Would it be a surprise if I told you that God actually prefers who you are as opposed to what you do? Because you know what? He's into relationship as opposed to activity and all the good things that you could do. You could come to church here every single Sunday for the rest of your life, but never really know him as a father. God is more interested in who you are in his eyes than what you do for him. You see, we were meant to be human beings, not human doings. So ask yourself this morning, am I acting like a child? Am I happy to be... Or do I feel like I have to do? You see, we can't earn his love. Recently, we just had Easter and we learnt about when Jesus died for us, he gave us access to God the Father. I'm wondering if I can ask my two stagehand guys to come up here. Maybe at the back here would be a good space for it. You see, when Jesus died, the moment he died, the earth shook The rocks split, people got out of their tombs and started walking around, the sky went black and one other thing happened. There was a curtain in the temple, in the Jewish temple at the time. Now, it wasn't just a little curtain like this. If you can imagine this, but bigger and heavier and thicker. There was a curtain like this that shielded the priests from God's presence which was on the other side because once a year the priest could go in here but they actually had to tie a rope around his foot and put bells on his feet so that if he got too close to God and he fell over or died, they could pull him out. That's how holy the presence of God was. But when Jesus died, what happened was this curtain, which was made of twisted linen and yarn in scarlet and in purple, it actually split in half. But It's split in half supernaturally. You see, because if I grab this piece of cloth, which I have prepared earlier, with my little cut in it somewhere, which I'll just take a moment to find. There it is. See, if I split this like that, that's my doing. That's human doing. You see, but the temple curtain was not split from the bottom like this. It was split from the top. Up high, heavy drapes, shielding God's presence. You see, what happened when that temple curtain was torn in two was when Jesus died, he gave us access to our Heavenly Father. It means we're free to come into his presence. We're free to be children of God without having to work for it because there's no way we could have split the curtain that heavy from the top to the bottom. Thanks, guys. I wonder if that might speak to you. So what will be different for you as you act out whether or not you want to be a minion or a child of God. How you see yourself will greatly influence the way you live because you could get all uptight trying to earn God's favour or you could allow God to invite you to be his child. As Gru says, I can't do a Gru accent, I wish I could. It's like my heart is a tooth and I've got a cavity or a hole in it that can only be filled with children. I wonder if God says the same thing. I wonder if God says, oh, how my heart longs to have my children come to me. I think he does. You see, God wants to partner with us to transform his world into a place that is good. You see, I used to strive. I used to want to be everything that I could be. I worked hard to please others. I worked hard to please God. I tried to do everything that I could to make God pleased with me or others pleased with me. And then suddenly I figured out, actually, I'm approaching God like a slave or an orphan. I need to rest a lot more and let God work on my behalf. Let God fix me from the inside out. I wonder, are you interested in being a child of God? You may have said yes to Jesus many, many years ago. You may have already seen yourself as a child of God, but do you act like one? Are you working from a place of effort or are you working from a place of rest? Are you working for the Father's love or are you working from the Father's love? Because it's going to look a whole lot different for how it comes out in your life. So I'm going to finish right here. Godnock, I wonder whether you might come up and and, uh, start to play for us. I've got three little challenges for you today. Now, kids, you can get involved in this as well. First choice is this. Could you dare to believe that God's heart is affectionate for you as a father? In a moment, when we get up and sing this song together, I encourage you to get out of your seats and walk around the room. You're free to do that. Go over to these little pieces of paper on the side wall. Take one or two or three of them. There's enough for everyone. They are the promises of God for you. Take them home. Stick it on a mirror. Stick it on your fridge. Put it in your car. Put it on your desk. And remember that God is a good father and he has promises that he wants to keep. Second option is this. There's these tiny little post-it notes, little puzzle stickers, and they're on that front table there and they're on that front table there. There. What you could do is you could choose to grab one, take a pen with you, pop your name on it, stick it on that wall to say, yes, I am interested in being part of God's big plan. I know God's got a place for me in his heart. I know God wants me to be a child of God and I'm going to act like one. So I'm going to put my name or that post-it note on there. So you can go up, you can take one of those pictures or you can put a puzzle piece up. There's one other option. Actually, there's two. One is you can receive prayer. If you've never actually said to God that you choose to be his child, or if you want to open your heart just a little bit to say, God, I think I really need to step into everything that you have for me, go and get some prayer. I'm going to have Stu Conkey in a moment out the front here. So if there's any kids today that actually want to put their hand up and say, I want to be a child of God and I want to walk closer with God, go see Stu and he will pray for you. There'll be some more prayer happening in this corner, in the front corner, and one at the back. Last thing, kids, if you have pencils with you and you want to go and draw something on those pieces of paper, something that you've heard today, you can do that. So take a piece of paper home, write your name on a puzzle piece, join the family of God, become a child, get some prayer, or even draw something that you've heard today. Thanks, Gunnar.